All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check when the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Where's that ding dong? It took you a while to pull out the ding dong today, Chris. I'm not I'm um, not as good when I'm not brilliant. in studio. I, when we're not together, people can tell and that, it starts with the ding dong. It does start with the ding dong. As it so often does, it starts with the ding dong. Uh, my name is Dave Guadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber, remotely, because, folks, if you haven't heard, it snowed in the lower mainland recently. Uh, our technical producer here on the Canucks Conversation is Alex Allard. Uh, Chris, where do you want to start? First of all, I, I got somewhere I want to start. I know you want to start at uh, John Diefenbaker Airport. 
but I've got my Oilers Nation and my Nation Network gear on. Uh, just a good company guy. Uh, I hope the bosses are watching this. Um, you know, as you like to say, Rich, keep getting richer because, hey, I got this for free. I'll tell you what. Back in, I don't know when it was, sometime probably in the 1800s, this is why they formed unions, and this is why unions were created. <laughs> for the good, hardworking folk like me and Alex... And uh, and Alex, you got to keep an eye out on the on the roads too. If you go back to our uh, our wide shot of the roads, good chance you're going to see some spinning tires because we got a little bit of a, a busy little corner down there. Yeah, get that thing out of there. That's a busy little hot corner there, and that is icy down here in Vancouver. I, we were getting ripped this morning. Well, I was specifically because I said, "Hey, it's like it's minus twelve here in uh, Vancouver or something. It's it's cold. It's very cold out here." And then all, and then you and all your oily boys—they all gang up on me, and you're you're in their corner with this, making fun of me. Oh yeah, minus twelve is not that cold. Not, it's a different kind of cold I wasn't out making here. Fun of you? I could see your face on the on the video chat. You weren't. You were you were just ganging up with all your guys, you and your big nation guys, whatever you call yourselves, the oily boys. Anyways, it's cold, and uh, it's it's not uh, it's not a great day. I don't think I'm going to make it out to Abbotsford tonight. I was planning on it, but uh, I don't know. I don't think so. This is, should we just do the whole show like this? I'm in the hot corner right I now. Think so, right there I in the hot so. corner. Alex, can you put me in the sky or something? Like, how how am I going to get involved in this? No, he doesn't. That's uh, what I'm curious he's about. He's not ready for that. Okay, that's. But there you go. The voice of that, God, the, David Quadrelli. The idea, though. You texted me and you said, "Like, hey man, I'm going to Abbotsford. I'm going to leave at three o'clock to beat the traffic." Nobody's asking you to go to Abbotsford. If you look you at the to go the Google Maps, the Google Maps tell me that it's only an hour and sixteen minutes to get there from from here, which is not horrible. Which is about the the normal time with traffic. So, but okay. it's it's a solid yellow line at one p.m. You're looking at one p.m. on a Tuesday, right? right? Yeah. If you look at that at four o'clock or even five o'clock when there's actually live traffic and there's a bunch of accidents on the highway and fingers crossed, obviously there's no accidents. We don't want to see anybody getting car accidents, but it happens. It happens in the snow. It happens every year. It happens every time it snows here. You, you, you should not be going to Abbotsford tonight. Cool. You're getting ripped in the chat too. That hug, that hoodie is uglier than the Canucks performance <laughs> says Reese. <laughs> Hell yeah, Reese. <laughs> All right. You let's want to get, talk about the Canucks performance now? Yeah, let's get to our first uh, thing on the ticker there. Let's get to burn before we get to it and then down. Uh, as we've as Alex put a lot of work into the ticker today, I can see that. Uh, I, I don't know, man. The title of the episode is What Else Do You Need to See? Because Change is Needed. I, when you put up back-to-back 5-1 losses, like we go into the room yesterday, there's like... What are what are we expecting? What are we like? What are we expecting or hoping or anything? What do we what do you expect to hear the players say at this point? You could sort of hear even to to you know from Bruce Boudreaux a little bit to a certain degree of just like he doesn't know. Like they they've tried so many different things. We've seen different lines. They're missing Elias Patterson, obviously, and that's a huge loss for this team. But you know you you need to make a change, and it's so unfortunate that the roster freeze is literally today like uh, at midnight the roster freeze hit Niels Huglander by the way gets sent down but this team it's so clear this team needs a change and that you can't continue to buy into these same things this team is once again in the spot where you just need a little bit of hope and I I don't even know where to start I don't know even if we want to go in very much into the game or anything but it's just it I want to just start there right off the top like this if the last two games have been any indication of if of what needs to come, it's that change is absolutely needed for this team. But the thing is, and I'm not, I'm not calling you out or saying that this is how you think, but we've known this for a while. Yeah. Like we've watched this team all season long and we've been saying this, right? So again, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I don't want to just repeat the same talking points that us and everybody else is talking about. Yes, the roster freeze uh, came in last night or today actually at midnight uh nils huglander sent down the announcement came at 11 59 p.m and then a minute later after the announcement nils huglander turned 22 happy birthday uh nils huglander tough drive out there to abbotsford as well cody's got uh, finally a good point yeah. here in the chat abbotsford 8-3-0 at home good team to watch so maybe the drive is worth it i also see my fiance in there saying i am not going to abbotsford so yes i am not going to abbotsford 
Uh, Lachlan's working on something right now for Canucks Army. Uh, Lachlan Irvine, shout out, shout out Lachlan. Um, he's writing right now something about how the Canucks are making Rogers Arena one of the easiest buildings to play in in the National Hockey League right now. They are on pace to have the 27th worst home record of all time. The all-time record for most home losses in a season is 32. Uh, I don't think the Canucks will reach that, but that's the all-time record. That's the number to beat is 32 losses at home. Uh, that is the worst home record of all time. And, and again, I'm just, Lachlan's just texting me this as he's finding it out. Uh, but we're going to have an article on that soon. And it's going to be a good read, I'm sure. You heard it from Bo yesterday in the in the post game. Like, he's wondering if they're just like, hold, if they're holding on to the sticks too tight because they just, they're worried about getting booed off the ice. And it's like, man, that where do you even, where do you go from there? Like, where, where can you go from that yeah. spot? If you're at the point where you're starting to be worried about being booed off the ice, I don't think you can go anywhere as a team. You literally cannot go anywhere from there. Like you, your team is broken. Your team is absolutely broken. If you're at the point where you have to go onto home ice, a spot where the fans are trying, like the fans are for a good part of the game, like in a one, one game when McKayev scored that goal, the place lit up, uh, you know, as much as they could with, yeah. you know, what felt like maybe like 12,000 people in, in attendance. It was not a full arena and that could be on the weather and certain stuff as well, but it's not going to be the weather for much longer. Like, if this team keeps putting up, they've played 15 home games, right? 15 home games, they've had five of them. So one-third of their home games, they lose five to one. Like, that's that's pretty much the worst score you can have for going out and attending a game, right? Like, that's, like, unacceptable is the word that's been thrown around, but that that's what that is. Like, that's unacceptable. All the other stuff that, that Bo's mentioned in the past, I don't know about all those things actually being unacceptable, but losing 5-1 at home a third of your games it, it ruins the chance. And I was thinking about this yesterday and I wanted to ask Bruce, but I was out of the groove because I, I wasn't in media scrums for a few days. I didn't ask a question at all yesterday in, in any media scrum. I was just out of the groove. But what I wanted to ask, like, I, I think the only way for this team to even start to have a little bit of confidence in themselves is not from the coach because Bruce even said it yesterday. He said, like, he has belief in this team that they can do like they can do this. They can be a playoff team. They can turn things around. They can have a good season. Like, Bruce believes that, but I don't think the you know, the way he talked about it yesterday, he doesn't have a lot of belief that the players believe that. And I think the only thing that's going to get the players to believe that is to go on one of these magical runs like they did last year with the Bruce There It Is and everything, how it all started. That's that's what that's the only way this team can change anything this season it would just be like there there's no way they can build confidence off of two wins here, three wins there. They like last year they talked about winning the week, and that was so important just to win every week and win this week and the, they that doesn't matter anymore. Like this team is so broken with confidence that it's going to take a ridiculous like fourteen game win streak for them to even have confidence in themselves. Let alone try and make the playoffs or be in the conversation. That should be completely out of the equation. Like that's that's long gone. Now the only thing is like for moving forward with this team, being able to just like have these some of these players that are going to be around for years be able to still have confidence. Like that should be the worry right now for this team. It, it's nothing to do with this season. This season. It, Throw it out the window. Like, seriously, throw it out the window. Try and actually start to not only build your team for the future, but build the players that you have right now. Build them back up so that they're not going to be broken from this experience. Because this this is horrendous. Like, the situations that, that you're asking Elias Pettersson and, and Quinn Hughes to go out for, the guys that are going to be here for a long time, like, thank goodness Thatcher Demko is not having to go through this and be bombarded with scoring chances game after game. At least he's getting time off from, from how bad this team is playing in front of them. Think about... Was it basically all of Jordan Cairo's goals yesterday? Like how he had a second to, you know, make sure the puck was flat on the ice, you know, make sure he was, you know, facing the goaltender at the perfect angle. He didn't have to, didn't have to do anything. There was no one near him defending. Like he had so much time and space where if you give an NHLer who scores like Cairo does that much time and space, there's no chance he doesn't pick the, you know, one by one corner that a, that a sniper is going to be able to pick. Like this, this team is, it's, you can switch up the pairings. You can change the forward lines. None of that's going to do anything. The whole problem is, is clearing out this roster. Like, it needs to be completely burnt to the ground because there, there's something so sour here, whether it, you know, stems from management, ownership, coaching, whatever you want to say, the players, whatever it is, it, it needs to be completely changed. Like, think about, you know, and I hate to do this, but, like, think about the way that the Toronto Maple Leafs did when, when, they, came, when they made their big changes at the top. Did everyone get fired the next season after, you know, you know, Shanahan comes in, takes a look at everything that's going on, and then is like, this ain't it. Everybody's fired. 
everybody's getting replaced. They keep they keep some of their stars that they have at the time, but everybody's gone it, it, throughout the team. And I'm not calling for the the whole you know organization to fire half their employees. I don't think that would do any good because this team are this team just needs to add employees to a certain degree. I mean it's just there's something broken and when something's broken at this point you need to try and fix it or replace it and that's where the Canucks are at right now where it's just it can't be anything small tweak wise this is major surgery is required and you've talked about a lot you can't keep putting band-aids on broken bones I tried to take mental notes as you were talking there because you said so much um and I I have thoughts on basically everything you said I'm going to start in order with what I remember. The one thing I wanted to say, and I really wanted to get this in, with Bo talking about how they're worried about getting booed, and maybe they're gripping their sticks a little bit too tight because they're worried about the prospect of getting booed. Like, fans aren't booing the players, right? Like, the majority of fans are, and again, that's why you hear people say, like, this is so stupid, they won their last game, and there was Bruce, there it is, chance. Yeah, like, fans are rooting for the players. Fans like seeing wins, but every time they boo, the fans are booing the bigger picture, right? And obviously, it's the players that they are booing. I'm not saying that they're tilting their heads up and directing it to management, but in a way, they are. Like, in a way, every time you see a jersey on the ice, or you see fans booing, or you see, um, you know, that, that type of behavior, it's not that they're looking at the players and saying, this sucks. Like we expect, we expected so much more of you guys. Like, I don't think any fan really came into this year and was like, yeah, I think they could finish top of the Pacific or they could be a really good playoff team. Like everybody kind of knew they'd be a bubble team. And right now they're just not getting the goaltending that was going to allow them to become a bubble team. Right? Like, you know, most fans recognize that this is a deeply flawed team that got by on their goaltending. And if they were going to make the playoffs this year, it was going to be on the back of their goaltending. And right now, They aren't getting that goaltending. And I'm not pinning this all on goaltending. I'm just saying that all of the bruises with this team and all of, like you said, the broken bones of this team are on full display, especially with Elias Pettersson out. And we've seen that for the last two games. And I think that's what I keep coming back to is just that, like, fans are annoyed. Fans are pissed. And also, I wanted to get this in. Uh, This was circulating on Twitter. Fans that were at the game said that the security guards were right on top of fans Dude. making their way down to the ice. Yes, let me let me expand on that. There were police officers sitting in like the second row in the in the sections like where the the stairs go down to the to the rink. I was pointing this with PJ. There was like police officers set up in the second row because there were so many empty seats. They could go sit wherever. They had police officers sitting down there. And and there was multiple security guards at every possible spot where you could throw a jersey because they just weren't you know, and then Noah was crazy. Was okay, so so Kairu scores his hat trick goal, and all these blues fans go to throw their hats, and the security's like going up and, and trying to stop them. But it, but like because people are expecting a jersey toss at this point, but it's a hat trick. Like you you know, that's the time where you're allowed to throw things on the ice. But like the security, they're all they're all going crazy because the Kairu goal was a hat trick. But it's like you know, fans are like avoiding security to throw a hat because I mean you're allowed to do that, but like because of you know. What's been going on at Rogers Arena? It was just an absolute mess, and then you saw some late hats be thrown onto the ice a little bit later. But yeah, it, it isn't like that was that was a wild scene last night. And I, you know, we heard the chants yesterday, obviously at Rogers Arena, the sell the team chants. That's that's the first time I think we've heard those at least this season. Um, and, and that's you know that's not going to happen, unfortunately. As, as much as some people might want it to happen, I don't. I don't think that the chants are going to change anything, but I do think that those type of chants might affect the owner to make some sort of decision as well with really wanting to make some change. Like, he can't appreciate that. There's there's no way that he didn't hear about that. There's no way that he just completely ignored that. He heard that, and I'm sure that that's going to do something to the way that he looks at this team moving forward, which... You can take that as a positive for Canucks fans that that might affect some sort of change. That type of thing affects some sort of change. The The reaction from the fan base on Twitter is one thing. It's very different in the arena as well. And you got kind of the same page for something that doesn't happen often where a lot of Twitter and a lot of the arenas on the same page for certain things. But when those two things do line up, like when when the feeling in the arena is the same as what it is on social media, at least like a, a vast majority or at least like a you know a loud 
minority or a loud majority, whatever you want to call it, like when it starts to line up together with what Twitter's saying and what's happening in the arena, that's really when change seems to happen with this team. You're right. Like, I, you're referring to GM firings, right? And if you include the fire Travis chance that we're probably about as loud and as, as often as we've seen the sell of the team chance, mm-hmm. you did see action there. I don't think you're going to see action in this context in the sense of they will sell the team. I think you're going to see, um, kind of like you said, look, if there's unrest in the crowd that are like paying to be at your games, then something has to give. I'm not saying it's going to be, like I said, they're, they're not going to sell the team. That's not going to yeah. happen. But when that's happening, they're going to say, huh, why are, why are fans chanting that? And I think that's the only way. And again, I'm not saying, I shouldn't say that's the only way. I mean, that's one way to really get through to ownership. And obviously the other big one is just don't go to games. And you're starting to see that. Like you're starting to see people um say on twitter like i couldn't imagine paying to go watch this team right now and people changing the channel wanting to watch other stuff like i get it i get it and again like if you had a rebuild right and this is what i wanted to bring up yesterday Uh, we didn't really touch on it you got stuck at the airport coming home from saskatchewan um well even worse so we weren't able to do a show so my fiance was supposed to fly out today and you have seen what happened at yvr so i don't know when she's coming home hopefully soon but uh yeah, send your well wishes to my fiance who's watching this right now with her dad in Saskatoon. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully she gets home as soon as possible because, yeah, Christmas is just around the corner. So the travel day that I had isn't even that bad anymore. Jeez. Yeah, wait, that's yeah. horrible. Wait, wait, well, wait. You left her in Saskatchewan? Uh, Alex, here are you coming. <laughs> I mean, trying to get me in more trouble. Yeah, she was going to spend... Did a, your father-in-law watching? She what, was you, gonna, you bought yourself a first-class ticket oh back my to Vancouver? And I was at the back of the plane, Alex. I snuck onto that plane pretty much yesterday. Back of the plane for two times. She was going to fly direct. She's in first class probably. I don't know. Probably not. But uh, she was going to stay... Because she wants to spend some time with her family, Alex. Are you against that too? Spending ex- a little extra time no, with the family? No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Exactly. You get back. Go put something stupid behind me again. <laughs> oh, man. But, okay. yes, she wanted um, to spend I'll, an I'll extra day or two. Rails. I had to get back for the show on Monday, which didn't even work out, actually. So that's that's what happened. There. We're on it now. We're done with burn. We're on to it now, I think. I think it's it time. Yeah, yeah we're on to it. Move, move, move on to it. Yeah. Which right, is actually, no, podcast, this, this is IT. IT. Yeah, IT. So put something uh, interesting behind Chris. Okay, um, so we want to do the show. People were criticizing me on Twitter. They're like, how come you didn't do the show alone? Favor is no problem when you're away. Dude, Look, no, no, the no. The setup no. is locked in your apartment. I should have a spare key for your apartment. This and is I've, what I, this I've is what thought I about this before. Like, I, I got to give, I, like, what Rob Faye used to do with his night show by himself for like two hours was, I, I find that so hard. I've ne- I think I've tried to do, I think I've done a mailbag by myself once for this show, like way long in the past, but. I, it's so hard to do one by yourself here on the show. It would actually be a lot better with the chat. There is something I want to get to in the chat too as well. Um, and it's not my fiance saying thank you, Alex. So that's not being brought up. Well, even though I just did, but uh, Corey, Corey Anderson. Well, brought well up before we move on, okay. before we move on, uh, well, I got to get to Corey. To Nikki. Hopefully Nikki makes it home. Yeah. Well, she's going to make it home at some point. Okay. She's not stuck there forever. <laughs> well, before Christmas, you're like, you're talking like this is home alone and you're going to be Kevin McAllister on Christmas Eve. So, you know, hopefully she makes it in time for that. Yeah, I hope so, too, because I'm eating like Kevin McAllister right now. Three corn dogs in the last <laughs> 45 minutes. Um, Corey Anderson's sake. Uh, the crazy part, this is a comment from uh, live chat. By the way, get involved in the live chat. I see a lot of people in there. A lot of people probably staying home today. Maybe this is their first time checking it out on YouTube. Get involved in the chat. Let's let's uh, let's fire it up. Chat's going good right now. Uh, so Corey said, the crazy part is this team should be better. They added Mikheyev, Kuzmenko, and Lazar. They've all been good additions to the roster, yet somehow they are worse. It doesn't make sense. This is why like you look at the way that the Canucks have had success with this group, and to me, it's everything has gone right. Right, like everything went right the year they got them. Even when you talk about the playoffs and the bubble that they had, everything went right from like COVID shutting down at the right time. Right, like COVID shutting down the season at the right time gave them an opportunity to be in a play. And when they were supposed to remember, they were supposed to lose Demko. They just lost Chris Tanev. Like they were going to miss both of those players for that final stretch run when they were losing games. Everything went the right way for them, though it was a global pandemic. So maybe you could say that wasn't that uh, greater in the perfect direction, but. 
the way that they got back to playing, they they were healthy. They had all their players. They got back into it. They were able to win a playoff or the play-in round to get into the playoffs. Last season, the way that things all went so well, was there a better goaltender in the final stretch of the season than there was from, like, Thatcher Demko being the best? Like, nobody else was in the same realm as what Thatcher Demko was. Like, he was unreal for the re- for the rest of the season when Bruce Boudreaux came in, and even the whole season. Like, what, the Canucks finished the year with the best save percentage at 5-on-5? Five five? Like, everything was going their way. Even though they were giving up so many scoring chances, they were still that good in their own zone. So, I mean, like, and not even good in their own zone, just good at keeping the puck out of the net because of that great save percentage. The Canucks aren't going to be top... They're not going to be in the top 15 this year for save percentage, and it's kind of showing what you kind of brought up earlier, Quads, about... Uh, it, it is a difficult situation where, like, the goaltending can't bail you out every season because goaltending, I don't know, like I, like I always say with goaltending, you just strap a couple pillows on somebody and throw them out there. They're going to have a 900 save percentage or give or take. It doesn't take much skill to go between the pipes. But when you're not stealing games like Thatcher Demko was in the past, it's really hard to see this Canucks team win because the roster starts to get exposed at that point. The defense that we talk about so much and ever, you know, a lot of people look at this team and be like, Oh, the forward group will carry them. It's the defense core that, that's going to be the weakness. And, and it's clear now and even more when you don't have the league high save percentage that the defense is really hurting this team. So, like I said, with the Cairo goals yesterday, how much time and space do they have there? Like he had time on all three goals just to rip, Wherever the puck he wanted it to go, he had so much time to fire it off. So, like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things being exposed about the roster right now when you don't have the best goaltending in the in the league. I'm going to bring up an analogy that I brought up a while ago, and longtime listeners and users of the chat will remember this analogy, and I'm going to bring it up once again. Right now, Chris, we're seeing the holes in the Canucks boat start to get exposed more and more they didn't use flex seal to seal him no free ads but i love my love me some phil swift uh they are there's just so many holes in their boat and like we've said before it seems like each off season and each season they buy into this sinking ship and then they just patch more and more holes right like what's the saying rearranging uh chairs on the titanic deck chairs whatever it is yeah 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 um doing that um you're seeing them just fill the holes on their roster, but every time they do, they're, damn, they're covering man. it with their hands. Freaking right? chat's like, going off like about the holes again. Hands. Well, people like the hole talk. Yeah. Uh, as Alex Flash just see, <laughs> I just saw her names at the top of the movie poster. That's great. Um, it just okay. says Alex. I, but what I'm trying to say, Chris, is that we have so many problems with this team that we're witnessing, right? Like, you look at it and you just brought up a couple. Like you said, the goaltending, that, that's a potential hole. Every Imagine every piece of your roster construction in your team has a potential hole, right? Goaltending is a hole. Thatcher Demko plugged that hole for a really long time and he did a damn good job of plugging it. There was no water seeping through that hole for a long time. And now, you know, this season he hasn't been as good. And now all of a sudden, you're, the boat's filling up with the hole. Uh, the the goaltending hole. So now you're seeing this more and more with just different parts of the team. Elias Pettersson leaves the lineup. The number one center hole, that's filling up rapidly. You don't have a number one center without Elias Pettersson, right? Like Bo Horvat was fine last night, but right now Bo Horvat's not going to do enough to single-handedly go out and win you a game the same way it feels like Elias Pettersson can uh, with his penalty penalty killing prowess, his power play, you know, how much more room they have when Elias Patterson's on that half wall, you're not seeing it right now. So again, you're just seeing all of these holes filling the boat, right? And they're filling it at a rapid pace, it feels like, because right now you're missing Thatcher Demko. You're missing Elias Pettersson. I think the only thing that could make this much, much worse is if you lose Quinn Hughes. Don't even say it. <laughs> if Quinn yeah. Hughes goes down, I know, knock on wood, I'm just saying that's that's your boat's just filling it's a free fall at that point all of your holes are exposed and you just you you got nothing I agree and and I want to bring up something that like could have really given a little bit more confidence for Canucks fans or anybody right after that 5-1 loss Patrick Alvin we haven't talked about this since we didn't do a show yesterday but Patrick Alvin goes on after hours and listen we've joked about it we've talked about it all season long he doesn't really say a lot he he talks a lot but doesn't really say a lot and, and yet, and like Saturday, that would have been a really good time to 
say something about the team, say anything about the team, but it's unfortunately another whole conversation where you don't get anything out of Patrick Alvin. Like you don't get any sort of direction. You don't get any sort of plan. You don't get any sort of thing that the fans can at least grasp onto. It was a lot of nothing, right? Like it was a big nothing sandwich. And that's the time where like, you know, what, what is he, what is he waiting for? Again, like it's again, back to the title of the show. Like what else do you need to see if you're like, for management to at least start to make the moves and the right decision. And I hate that this is the thing because like we're on a roster freeze right now until uh, what I think the 28th. So it's obviously like nothing can happen right now, but you can still have conversations, right? Like this is the time to really like, would it surprise you to come out of this and see the Horvat deal and, and start to see steps in the right direction? Like that's, that's really unfortunate. I thought Saturday was a great opportunity specifically. And I know you don't want to have like knee jerk reactions to losses, but at least at that point, like, you have to see something because every every play yesterday, I like every time the St. Louis Blues scored, I looked up because in the press box right to our right is the management group and like the faces on them. I don't know how much the broadcast was cutting to them, but like Jim Rutherford just, hand, you know, putting his head in his hands and like how red he looked actually for like certain boys are just like that. The management group clearly like I have to think something. It, I'm not saying yesterday was a game where it clicked, but something has to have clicked in their brains to think that there needs to be massive changes. And like, I, I know it's a, something that we like, we, I feel like we haven't had to do this for a while. So I feel like it's okay to talk about it again, but like, it, it's so clear. It's just so clear. And when you lose this many games in this type of way, and this team is just not consistent, you, you need to just the idea of like a retool on the fly and the things that Alvin talked about, of like being able to turn this team around pretty quickly that can't like that can't be talked about anymore, man. Like there the seriously needs to be an address about this team doing a full rebuild and doing this the right way because they, they haven't done this the right way since 2012, right? Like since that 2012 team, they haven't done anything the right way for 10 years. And it's time to get this thing back on track and do the heavy lifting. It's time to quit skipping leg day. Like I always talk about do leg day for the next two years, do leg day. And you're going to come back with a good looking body, strong legs, and then build it from there. That's the foundation. Like, do some heavy lifting over the next little bit here and build this team the right way. Okay, let's not do anything rash and talk about doing leg day. Um, okay. What I do want to bring up, though, Chris, and I don't know if you read it. Alex, let's move on to the down section, and we'll get to the draft lottery simulator as Alex brought that up. I think that's a great idea. But um, I want to point to one team that I talked about in the Monday mailbag, Chris, and that's the Montreal Canadiens. And... I was just looking at them because everybody talks about, oh, Montreal is in this rebuild. Like Montreal is a rebuilding team that's more fun to watch than the Canucks. And, you know, I think they're kind of a team that a lot of fans have pointed to and said like, hey, like we'll still support a team that has a vision and has a rebuild in mind, right? Because this is what happened with the Montreal Canadiens. And I I outlined this in the Monday Mailbag. I spent like a thousand words on this one question just because I thought they were such a good example of what I kind of want to see with the quads plan that I keep hinting at and what happened with the Montreal Canadians. And I'm seriously trying not to be revisionist at all here. This is what it looks like when you kind of look back at it. The Montreal Canadians made the Stanley cup final against the Tampa Bay lightning in 2021. I'm not going to go over all that happened. They lost. Uh, they, they weren't anything can happen once you get in the playoffs team. And then they ran into a team that was built to be a contender. Now, they kind of get stumped and they saw, okay, well, we're, we're not able to compete with those guys, you know, even on the back of hot goaltending, what have you, right? They see that they're not able to compete. So they start the next season hoping to compete because, excuse me, I, I did kind of mess that up. They didn't know they couldn't compete after being in the Stanley Cup final. They go into the season and they're bad. Like they were bad. They weren't as good as they thought they were going to be. So they pivot. There's a change in focus. They flip Tyler to Foley at the dead or shortly before the deadline, I believe. Ben Sherratt moves at the deadline. That gets you two first round picks and additional assets. I want to focus on the two first round picks. Okay. Then they move Brett Kulak for a second round pick, which yeah, not much, but hey, that's an NHL defenseman who Edmonton was willing to give up a second round pick for. Okay. They do this. They go into the 2022 draft. They make six selections in the first three round, two in the first round, two in the second round, and two in the third round. 
Then what I wrote in the mailbag is that it feels like they moved from this rebuilding phase where all you're trying to do is acquire these young, these picks, right? And acquire draft picks and do whatever you can with them and make sure that you're drafting uh, as well as you possibly can with all the draft capital you have because they have so much, an embarrassment of riches with their draft capital. The Habs flip a first and a third to Kirby Doc, a 21-year-old center that they think is going to help them for a long time. Uh, I believe they signed him to an extension right after that. My point here, Chris, is that this was a team that identified two young franchise players in Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. They said, this is our future. This is who we need to surround with talent. It's not going to happen this year. We need to have a shift in focus. They did it in half a season. There is still time for the Canucks to do this. They don't need to trade Elias Patterson. They don't need to trade Quinn Hughes. They don't need to trade Thatcher Demko. They don't need to do all that. They can easily... And again, I don't want to use the term easily and belittle everything that this front office is doing because I understand. I understand it's hard to make trades. I'm not trying to say it's, you know, click of a button and you've got a trade partner. But I also think it's easier than we hear, like Montreal though. Do it. it's, it's easier than it's talked about Absolutely. at this point. It is easier than, than some people think. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You saw a team in Montreal do it literally last year in a flat cap environment. Why can't the Canucks do this? Why can't the Canucks go out and get some draft picks? And then hey, you know what? If you really don't want to draft three times in the first round like the Habs didn't want to, they instead elected to go get a young center that they believe in, feel free. Don't trade for a first round pick and then trade both of those first round picks for assets that you think are going to help you now and down the line as well. Make your draft selections, like restock the prospect pipeline a bit. But hey, I'm saying if you go out and get multiple picks, like even second round picks, you look at the potential of this roster and what they could net you in any sort of trade, right? If you just go through this brief period of going through some pain, you've still got Curtis Lazar for two years. That's a great guy to have in the locker room to, you know, kind of insulate that youth coming in, those new faces coming into the locker room. That's how you rebuild your culture. That's how you rebuild your locker room, right? You've got guys like Ethan Bear who uh, someone reported that the Canucks want to extend. Be open to that. Like, we'll see what Ethan Bear commands, obviously, but like, you want guys like Ethan Bear around. You want guys like Luke Shen around, and that's a bigger conversation that we'll get to, but, you know, I'm... I'm becoming increasingly more and more open to the idea of, hey, you know what? If Luke Shen really wants to be here, he's more than welcome to re-sign here yeah, but, in the offseason. But... Yeah, I just want to cut in just with, with the stuff that you mentioned about the room there. I also think that, that like that's a problem with this team is how the room is, how the players react, whether it be losses, wins. It's just... I'm curious to see what a what a Canucks room looks like led by Elias Patterson being the strongest voice in that room. And and I don't know if that's going to be able to happen with the voices that are in there right now. I, I think if you go into that rebuild like you're talking about what the Montreal Canadiens did, do you think like how much do you think it meant to the room when they put the C on Nick Suzuki? That was okay, this is his room now. I think the same thing can happen yep. with Elias Patterson. Like when Horvat's gone, whatever you can do with JT Miller, if he's here or not. 
you know, I'd explore options for sure. But you make that shift. Look at what it's done to the Montreal Canadiens and that team. They, their guy in Montreal, as much as you want Cole Caulfield to be able to score, as much as you have the first overall pick, Nick Suzuki's the guy now to answer the media every single day. And that's going to be something that I don't know if Pedersen would be able to do. But I also wonder if the reason that Pedersen isn't more kind of trotted out there to to be the voice of this locker room is because of the situation that he's in with the other players in the room. Like, I'd be curious to see what he's like and how much of a different personality he has with the media if he is put into that role. And it's something you have to have a conversation with him for sure. And this might be something that his agent is even wanting to talk about with the team moving forward. Like, is he going to be the voice of the Vancouver Canucks? Is he going to be the guy that needs to answer in losses? Because I, I don't think Quinn Hughes is a bad option either, right? I, I think that Quinn Hughes is a guy that, you know, is more of like the can be a typical hockey captain. I think Pedersen at times takes losses a little bit tough, and that's unfortunate. But I also think that th- that's part of what I think this room is doing to him. Like, I'd be very curious to see what happens if this is if this is Pedersen and Hughes's room. I wonder how different the vibe around the team is, and, and I wonder how much the acceptable or how how accepting this team is of losing. I wonder how different it is if it's led by Pedersen and Hughes. And listen, the on ice play is already led by those two, so that part of the game doesn't need to be transitioned. But I don't think the locker room is led by them, and I don't think that's their fault either. I think that's the fault of, I guess, the other voices in that room and the other players that you have in that room. And I'm not knocking guys like Luke Shen or or Curtis Lazar. Like, these type of guys are are some veteran players that you like in your room, but I just wonder about other voices in that room and not allowing Pedersen or Hughes to be the big voice at this point. It just feels like there's a roadblock with certain things. Again, it goes back to being in this mushy middle phase, right? Where it feels like nobody really knows what the Canucks are. And again, like, I I, I actually get it is kind of what I'm pointing at. What I'm trying to really say here is that I get why the idea of a scorched earth rebuild where presumably you are moving on from guys like Quinn Hughes and everything like that and you're going for just draft capital, like... I get why the organization is a little bit bullish on that. Like, I understand it. You don't want to waste any more years of Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, but I don't think you're wasting them if you pivot on this season. Like, we've been saying this since, like, what, game five? Like, punt on this season. Try to get Connor Bedard. If you don't, you're still going to get a really good prospect. Yeah, but at the same time, You don't have to be bad. And if you don't punt, like, Alex, you can pull up the tank, though. Let's just do it once and just see where the Canucks land. If the Canucks... This draft, you're top. You want to be top six. You really want to be top four. But I like the other guys at five and six as well. Go ahead and run it through once, Alex. I, I, let's just see what happens. So the Canucks drop to eighth. They're not get, like they're getting a right half now. decent player, right? They're getting a half decent player yeah. that's a really and good prospect. By far their best prospect in the system. They're not getting that game breaker though. Okay, the top four teams are getting a game breaker, and Mitch, Mitchkov's probably at number four on that list because of the, the situation with the KHL, but four years from now, you're getting a game breaker. Like you're getting a really good prospect here at, at eight, why. but you're not getting a, a game break. You need to, yeah. Well, you're, you, what you're about to say, you need to put yourself, if you are going to not make the playoffs, you want to lose as many games as possible this year, not just for Bedard, but to be in that top four. And not only that, Chris, as live viewers get a chance to see that Nashville jumped up eight spots and Philadelphia jumped up four spots in our uh, simulator. But not only that, Chris, in terms of losing a lot of games, also add some picks. Like, make some deals to add some first-round picks because you don't want to have one first-round pick in this draft, right? Like, you just don't. You you don't want to put yourself in that position. You want to be able to... Be a team that takes advantage of the situations of other teams. I'm talking about having cap space to go out and get a guy like Seth Jarvis or whoever it is, right? Um, You know, also included in that Montreal thing that I didn't even mention was they freed up so much cap space that they took Sean Monaghan, who's like a leader on their team now and is a good influence on their room and is actually playing in their lineup and is doing fine for them. They got a first round pick to take Sean Monaghan from the Calgary Flames, right? Like, they were more than happy to take him off the Flames' hands, and they got a first-round pick for it as well, right? And I'm not saying Sean Monaghan's a game-breaker, but I'm saying he has value to the Montreal Canadiens. Like, he has value to them, and he brought a first-round pick along with him, and it's because they had the cap space to do it. So, look, I, I I really just think, like, you you it's not too late to kind of have this shift in focus because right now... It's just not good enough. Like, the Canucks just aren't a good hockey team. That's what it comes down to. It's It feels so simple, Chris. The Canucks 
are not a good hockey team at their core. When everything breaks right, they're a bubble team. Like they're they're literally chasing this spot as you know the eighth playoff seed, as Sterling Wilson said in the chat. Like the eighth seed in the playoffs. That's what they're that's what they're capable of when they are operating, firing on all cylinders. And right now they're not, and it's just it's painful because at some point they're going to like the Canucks are going to bounce back. I've been saying it for a while. Thatcher Demko is going to come back. And I think Thatcher Demko is going to be just fine long-term. I think we might even see a turnaround this season. I don't think this is a write-off for Demko this season. And once that happens, you know, people are asking, why are the Canucks so bad? Why are the Canucks so bad? Well, when Demko comes back and shuts the door, if he does anything similar to what he did last year, you're going to see this team just crater their chances at getting one of these high draft picks that are so highly coveted by basically every other team around the league. And it's just, it, it's painful to watch Chris right now. It's just the Canucks are not an easy hockey team to watch play. No. And that's, that's, it's hard to come up with something new, right? That, that's the problem. That's what like our job is literally to do that. Like seriously, let's, let's have like a, a thought to, what do they call this? Like a thought uh, meeting or something along those lines. What, what is, what new could we talk about with the Vancouver Canucks? Do you got anything? What's new in the past few weeks here? I like what they're doing with Niels Hoaglander going down to the AHL. Um, I like that he's going to probably play on a line with Philly Puck goals. I know you weren't asking me to go off on a tangent here, but I am just saying like, you know, the idea of get these guys out of here, like get them out of that room right now and get them playing in the AHL. It's look, give the management group credit that's a sign that they aren't thinking, okay, let's compete now because look, and I, I hope this is how they're thinking, but I think they're thinking long-term in the sense of, okay, you know, he might be better. Uh, these two in Pod Colson and Huglander might be better than the options we have now, but they're not that much better. And we want them to, in the long run, be a lot better than Sheldon Dries or these guys playing in the bottom six. That's not a knock on Sheldon Dries. I'm just saying like, that's kind of the thought process that I'm hoping that this team is having right now is just let's make sure these guys turn out to be much better than bottom six wingers, which is what they'd be deployed at deployed as on this team right now. So like, I really like that move. Like one, get them out of the room, get them out of this team. It's things are bad right now in Vancouver, get them to Abbotsford. Like, those guys are having fun down there. They're winning a lot of games and that breeds confidence, right? Like, look, if you send Pod Colson and Hoaglander down together, which is what we we're seeing right now, those two have like 150 minutes, I think it was, that Cody Severson wrote for uh, Canucks Army together at the NHL level. And they have good results together at the NHL level. Those two are going to get to play in the AHL together. That's going to be really good for them. And it's going to be really good for the Canucks long-term. I like the move. I like the move. And I know you weren't asking me to give a positive take, that's my positive take of the day. No, it's good, and it's uh, it's going to be the the best situation. The best guy out of this whole situation is going to be John Stevens, who now has like two NHL quality wingers likely playing on the top line with him because Lane Peterson's gone. Uh, but that's the thing. I think Huglander needs it more than Pod Colson, really. Like I think Huglander needs to get back to being creative, being confident, and that's what the HL is going to do. Like it really is. He's going to have that extra half second of time. Would it shock me if we like? Three games in, we see Huglander pull the uh, the Zorro move. Would not surprise me at all to see him finally pull that move off like we thought about. Nobody's talked about that for like a year and a half now uh, to Huglander. I tell you what, watch him in the AHL with how much time they have behind the net. He's going to put up some magic, and I think it's also going to help Pod Colson a little bit because uh, though Pod Colson's been down there and playing like good two-way hockey, I don't think he's scoring at a ridiculous rate. And I also doubt, I just, it makes so much sense for, for the AHL team. I think we're... We're going to spend some more time probably talking about the AHL team over the next little bit here because there's a lot of things to actually talk about that that will end up you know transferring to the NHL at some point. Haven't had a lot of that in the past, so yeah, that's a good positive note. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Instead of the down, we can move on to uh, the Betway wrap-up. Let's get to the Betway wrap-up and let's get out of here um, because we got to do this all again tomorrow. But we'll have an AHL game to talk about. They play tonight, so uh, we'll spend some time on that tomorrow. I'll get some clips and everything like that. Uh, me and Cody will be having the battle for who gets a clip out first. Uh, all right, pull it up, Alex. What do we got here? I can't remember. Oh, no, it's a Hughes brother. We got uh, Jack Hughes to get three or more shots on net today. Minus 105. Hughes is putting up a ton of shots lately. He got ni- Jack Hughes has 19 shots on goal over his last four games, averaging just under 20 shots uh, or a- averaging just under five shots a game uh, over his last four games. So that's really 
I feel good about this bet. He's shooting the puck, playing with a lot of confidence. So I rolled it into our second Betway bet of the day uh, with New Jersey to win over 6.5 total goals and Jack Hughes to score in this game. So that one you can get at plus 850. So that's a big one there. I like that one because uh, the Devils are a fun team. I'm going to watch this game tonight because these are two good hockey teams, right? And uh, I got nothing else to do. I'm stuck in the house here. I'm running out of corn dogs. I got, I'm down to just pot stickers and Annie's macaroni and cheese. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to be sitting here probably three boxes deep, end up watching uh, the Devils in Carolina play. So uh, that's what I'm going to do with my night for the Betway bets. It's going to be a low day for Betway. That's only a few few mentions on there. Well, uh, if uh, if Nikki doesn't get home in time, you can come spend Christmas at my Nonos with us. I'm sure he'd love to see you. Uh, so yeah, you can come Jeez, have uh, have lasagna. You that's even, what we eat on Christmas. I know that's a nice gesture for you to say, but you probably just sent her into tears right now telling her that she's not going to be back before Christmas. So thank you for that. She'll be back, just I, in case. Yeah, hopefully in a couple <laughs> days here. But, uh, yeah, yeah, as soon as possible would be great. It's 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 weird sleeping, sleeping alone. I had so much room in the bed last night. I was tossing and turning all night. I didn't get a good sleep last night. But, yeah, uh, I, I, I can imagine. That's life. But I, the, also, okay. the other good thing, yeah. though, is so I came back with, uh, and I just, you know, opened up the bag and just kind of tossed <clears> things all around the house. I haven't cleaned up anything. The house is an absolute mess. I have to uh, clean that up before she gets home, but I'm kind of just living the, the, the relaxing lifestyle, not doing any cleanup yet. So, uh, but yesterday I had a lot of travel day yesterday. So like in fairness, I, I will clean it up probably today or tomorrow, but uh, it is kind of nice to just, the house is a mess is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's the point of this story. All right. All right. I got to right. mix. We'll I got to go eat some there. food, more corn dogs, more Annie's. And, uh, and it'll be cool to, I've seen a lot of people in here in the chat again today. That's cool. We'll have the, hopefully same thing tomorrow. Cause a lot of people are going to be stuck in, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. One o'clock. We'll talk uh, about the AHL team. What are you, what are you laughing about over there? Well, the fact you're like, Oh, hopefully everybody's stuck in. Okay. Well, whatever. They'll, they'll be around there. Uh, yeah. Lisa says I better clean up. I'll don't worry, Lisa. I'll clean up. I know I'm going to get a DM from yeah, Lisa yeah. after this. Tell me to clean up as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, we'll be back tomorrow. One o'clock. Uh, a lot of people stuck in the house. Plus, a lot of people are off for Christmas week too. So uh, we'll see. And we're gonna we got a meeting sure. here after the show. Here we're gonna discuss what we're gonna do for next week as well. We're not sure if we're gonna do. Uh, I think we'll do a couple shows for sure next week, but we're not taking the whole week off. That's for sure. Well, we gotta get uh, Alex has been saving up all his screaming, so uh, we'll get to him in the in our post show meeting here, and we'll t- uh, we'll we'll have an update tomorrow <laughs> on the show. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, for my co-host, uh, Kevin McAllister, my name's David Guadrelli, our technical producer, Alex Lard. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Home alone in the snow. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?